How many of you would say that you said something that you later regretted? Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Most of us have done this. How many of you, like, just say, today I've said something that I regretted already? Anybody? Yeah, the truth is this is true of most of us. Most of us have said stuff that we later regretted. I remember a long, and I mean a long time ago, I was in the hospital. I had gotten into a car accident, and I was all drugged up and all medicated up, and I was loopy and all that kind of stuff. And my mom comes to visit me with one of her dearest, closest friends, and and when this lady walks in the room, I say, hey, Kim, haven't seen you in a while. You look great. Wow, I did not know that you were pregnant. And the problem is she wasn't, right? And so the moral of the story is don't do drugs. It makes you say dumb things, right? Uh, but it's true. Seriously, words are, are powerful. And, and the problem with words is that when, when they come out, you can't take them back. Once they escape, you cannot grab them back no matter how hard you try. Most of us in this room have said something, and almost immediately, almost immediately, we go, oh, oh, give me that back, give me that back. And you can't. It lands. It already hits the human heart, and, and, and you can't change it. You can't, you can't do anything about it, and that's just the truth. And the problem is, at least with me, uh, my, my words, my mouth works faster than my brain. Anybody? And if, if we could just reverse that, if my brain could catch up to my mouth, I think my life would be 100 times better. And my guess is it would probably be a little bit better for most of you as well. And we all have these moments, and some of them are funny when we would like for our brain to catch up with our mouth, but some of them are very, very serious because words are powerful and words shape things. Words shape a destiny. Words shape a moment. Words shape a relationship. Words shape a marriage. Words shape relationships. Listen, words shape people. Words have shaped who you are, who you've become in this world. It's, it's true. I mean, there's some of us, like, we, we entered the first grade, and we thought we were fine. Like, when we walked in the first grade, we were strutting our stuff. But by the time we left from sixth grade, that was beat right out of us because some of the words that other kids said about us or maybe even what teachers said about us because words have this power to stick. Words have this power to define who you're becoming in life. Am I right? It's true. I remember this. True story. Like when I was in like, I think third or maybe fourth grade, um, I had every teacher up to that point look at me and go, oh, Jeremy, you're such a nice boy, but you're hyperactive, aren't you? Oh, you're such a sweet kid, but, but you're out of control. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't know how to shut your mouth. So, true story, right? Uh, they, they, literally, you can ask my mom. They took me uh, in, in, I think it was third grade, and my teacher literally sat me in a chair and took duct tape and taped me right to the chair. Jeremy, you're such a sweet boy. God bless your soul. But you are out of control. It, it's true. Words shape People, some of you entered married life uh, a happy, well-adjusted human being, right? You were full of hope, you were full of joy, you were full of life, but after just five years of this never-ending barrage of negativity, just after five years of this flow of words into your soul, that life was beat right out of you, that joy was beat right out of you, that hope was beat right out of you. Words are powerful. Words shape people. Words shape 
experiences, words shape a life. They, they really do. I mean, you think about it, after 10 years of marriage, I mean, very little has changed. I mean, you're like the, you're like the same person. You, you, you have the same skills. You have the same set of gifts. You have the same basic personality. You have the same basic IQ. And heck, for many people, you even have the same basic looks that you had. But after 10 years of being beaten to the ground with words, you feel that you're a loser and that you're no good for anybody. And, and it's just true, friends. Am I right? That words have this unbelievable power to shape our experiences. They set direction in our life. They, they free you to fly as high as you can possibly dream. Or, or words can chain you to the ground. They can beat the life right out of you. Think about the power of words as a parent. I want you to think about this. Uh, the, the very words that you have completely forgotten about are the only words that your kids will remember. Here's what I mean by this. Like, uh, we've said to our kids a thousand times, maybe you have 952 times, I love you, I'm so proud of you, man, you are incredible, you rock my world, you're an amazing kid, you're an amazing kid. But the only thing that they can remember is that time that you, uh, you cut into their soul. The only time that they can remember is when you were negative. And you can never win, can you? Because words land and you can't take them back. You can't change them. You can't change the effect that they've had on somebody. I mean, I'm 45 years old. 45 years old. And I still remember some of the words that my father spoke about me that cut deep into my life. And my guess is, is probably a whole bunch of you remember those same types of things. And as parents, our words are powerful. They, they shape our lives. And, and here's the crazy thing about it. Words never go away. And, and we realize the power of words when they're coming at us, when they're spoken to us. We, most of us in this room will realize the effect words have had on us. But where it's almost like we're blind to the effect that our words have had on other people. It's almost like we're blind to the words that are leaving us and going to them. We realize what it does to us, but we don't fully realize the weight toward others. And men are particularly bad at this, right? <laughs> um, men, we, listen, we can use our language, our tone, our demeanor, our words to cut apart people that we're supposed to love and respect, even people that we're supposed to take care of. And men are particularly good at this. And, and we think that, you know, after we've done our damage, after we've uh, set our thing to tear them apart, to break them down a little bit, and uh, we, we, we say, by the way, the worst thing that you can ever say to somebody, a little side note just to help you out, it's like a free one. The worst thing you could ever say to somebody is something that they can do nothing about, right? Like, like I was really hoping I was going to marry somebody taller. What? Okay, I'll go out and fix that. Like, right? No. Right? But, it, but it's true. But, it, but it, when we do this, we, we use our words, we tear somebody apart, and then we think we can fix them. And so we pour more words on the situation. This is what men do particularly, right? We go back and we say, oh, honey, I don't think you quite understood what I was really trying to say. I think you took it the wrong way. Oh, I feel so much better now. Yeah. Right? Am I right? Like men are, are quick to, to realize things, to learn things. Only after she's storming out of the room, only after she hasn't spoken to you in a week. And we realize the damage that our words have done. And so we go back and maybe you tried this trick. Honey, I think you took that out of context. Anybody ever use that one? Honey, I don't think you took it the way I meant it. Anybody ever say that? 
right? But here's the problem with words. Once they escape, once they come out of us, once they land, you can't take them back. The damage is done. The relationship is altered forever. There's nothing you can do about it anymore, right? And, and then we, we just try to make it right by saying more and more and more and more. And oftentimes by pouring more and more words onto words that have already hurt, all we do is mess up things more. It's like if you were to back over me like in the parking lot, like you just run me over, boom, bam. And if you were to jump out of the car and you'd go, oh, Pastor Jay, I ran you over. I'm so sorry. It's not like I'm going to jump back up and go, hey, it's all right now that you're sorry. I think it's fine. I feel great, right? You don't do that because once the damage is done, the damage is done. And, and it is a powerful thing that we have in our tongue. It is a powerful thing when we throw words around. Words have the power to shape. Words have the power to transform. Words have the power to create life or to destroy life. Words shape people. And so we've been in this series called The App Store. Uh, some of you have been to part of this series. The App Store is about this whole idea of applying God's word to our lives. Here's the premise, that there are some of us in this room, many of us in this room, that we would say that we're Christians. We self-identify as followers of Jesus. We, we put ourselves in this camp. We say that faith matters to us. And we've been saying that if that's true of you, if this is you, then your faith ought to create something inside of you. Your faith ought to move you. Your faith ought to stir you. Your, your faith ought to be applied to your everyday life. Now, we've been saying also that if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, um, this series is kind of a fun freebie for you. You can kind of listen into this because the things that the scripture says doesn't necessarily apply to you. It's not like you're accountable to me. You never claimed to be a Christian. You're not accountable to the church. You're not accountable to other uh, Christians. Now, I think it would be great if you applied God's word to your life. I think it'd be great if you applied some of the principles because I think it would go well for you and I think it would serve you in incredible ways. But for you, um, you're, not at, uh, you're not accountable to me or to the church. You, it's between you and God and you and God alone. But for those of us in this room who say we're Christians, then, then applying it means it's as, is everything to us. As a matter of fact, we've been saying that application makes all the difference. Application makes all the difference. Application makes our faith real. And here, here's what it says. The book of James, the brother of Jesus, he writes this to us, and I hope that you remember this verse. This has been kind of the key launch point of this whole series. He, he says it like this in, in James chapter 1. I'm just going to put it up there for you. You don't have to turn there. Just, just watch this verse. Just, just read this for yourself. It says, do not merely listen to the word, and so what? Deceive yourselves, but do what it says. James, the brother of Jesus, says that application makes all the difference. If we're going to be people of faith, then we've got to somehow figure out how to apply this stuff to our lives. If we say we believe it, if we think it up here, if we believe it in here, somehow it's got to work into every other area of our life. And here's where this gets really interesting when we're talking about the power of words. James, the brother of Jesus, the one who said that, that application makes all the difference. He had a whole ton to say about this thing called words, the power of our mouth, the power of our tongue. He had a whole bunch to say. And so what I'm hoping to do is I want to take you through this and I want us to begin to apply 
some of the principles about how we speak, how we communicate, how we treat our mouth, our words, our language, our demeanor. How does this affect those around us? I want to apply some of the principles of Scripture to our life. Is that okay with you? Okay, you want to get this right? You want to work on this together? Come on, y'all with me? So here's what we're going to do. If you got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of James because James says some things about the power of words. So if you have a smartphone, go to Google and just Google James chapter 3 and verse 2, and then it'll magic pop right up there for you. I would love for you to follow along. If you follow along, I think it would serve you well. And so let's look at this passage together. As you're finding it, let me just kind of give you a heads up on a couple things about this passage. First of all, this is not a real hope-filled passage. Uh, this is kind of a bummer, kind of tick you in the teeth sort of a passage. Sorry. But, but it says some very strong things to us. It has strong words to us. It's kind of like a passage like Pastor Greg was talking about last week with this idea of warnings. But sometimes we need warnings, don't we? Uh, because right here, uh, James is going to come at us and say, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. I need to get your attention for a minute because if you don't get control of this, if you don't get a control of your words, it will not end well for you and your family. It will not go well for you. You better figure out how to put some of these principles at work into your life. And, and, and so uh, James is, is beginning to teach us the power of these words. And he's saying, warning, 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 you carry, carry a very dangerous weapon. He says, you and me, every single person in this room, we carry a, a loaded weapon. And that weapon has the power to create and the power to destroy. The, the power to build and the power to knock down. The power to create life or the power to create death. You have a very powerful weapon. And he says, you better be warned because how you use that weapon makes all the difference in the world. And so this is how he starts. James chapter 3, verse 2. Follow along if you can. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Pause. Do we agree? Come on, is there anybody in the room that disagrees with this? I mean, even if you're not a Christian today, even if you're not so sure you believe in all this God stuff, uh, you can agree with this. So we all agree with one thing that the Bible teaches, that every single one of us messes up once in a while in a whole bunch of different ways. All of us stumble. So he begins by painting this collective picture, right? This, he gives this very broad-based picture that says we stumble in many ways. But then he throws out this crazy statement. Listen to this. This will blow your mind. He says, but anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect. So you want to be perfect? Get control of this. Have you ever seen anybody like that? Hmm. No. But he says, you want to see somebody who's perfect, you get control of this. And, and that person who gets control of this is able to keep their whole body in what? Check, and this is fascinating. He says that the person who is finally able to get control of their words, the person who is finally able to get control of their tongue, their mouth, their, their demeanor, that person is as perfect as it gets inside of humanity. He says, you want to look at somebody who's perfect? You find me a person who gets it right with their words. And the reason he's saying that is because he says, you know what, we get a whole lot in our life perfect. We get our nails perfect. We get our hair perfect. We get our outfit perfect. We get our home perfect, our lawn perfect. But he says, the last thing any of us are going to get perfect is the tongue. But if you get the tongue in check, you get your whole life in check. If you learn how to control your tongue, you'll be able to control the destiny of your life, the direction of your life. And then he says this, he begins to build
build a case for this. Verse 3, check this out, check this out. It's so important. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make, the, we, we put, when we put bits into the mouths of the horse uh, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole what? The whole animal. And he uses this illustration as like illustration number one. He says, you can take something that weighs about a pound, a bit for a horse, and you can slide it between its, t- uh, its lips and you can fasten it to a couple reins and then you can literally, with a one pound bit, you can take and control that 1,500 pound animal. He says it's an amazing picture. He says, listen, if you can learn to control the mo- horse's mouth, you can control the direction of that animal. And he says it's the same thing in your life. He says it's the same thing in my life. If somehow we get control of this, then we can control the direction of our very souls, the very life that we have. And then he says this, look at this next part. He says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and they're driven by strong winds, now don't think like the Carnival Cruise Line, think like a giant sailboat, right? Think about the amount of pressure, the amount of wind force that it takes to move those ships. He's saying, he says it's incredibly powerful. He says, although they are so large and they're driven by strong winds, he says, they are steered, not powered, not driven, but they're maneuvered. They're steered. They're controlled. The direction is set by what? By what? A very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Here's what he's saying. Friends, you may want to write this down. He says, small part, big influence. Small part, huge influence. Small thing, but a huge thing in your life. And if you somehow get this right, it's going to be huge in your life. And then he says this, verse 5, he says, likewise, the human tongue is part of the body, is a small part of the body, but it makes great what? And it's true, isn't it? You ever seen some small guy, but he's super duper tough? Right? He's got a big mouth. And he says that small part of who you are, those things called words, they have an unbelievable weight in your life. They shape who you're going to become. They shape how other people are going to relate to you. What kind of business success you're going to have. What kind of family success you're going to have. What kind of friendships you're going to have. What kind of parenting success you're going to have. He says this matters most in your life. And then he says this, check this out, he says, another example, he says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by what? A small spark. And we've seen this, right? All of us have seen on the news these great forest fires, particularly in the south or out west in California. You see these incredible fires on television. He says they're started by a little tiny spark. I remember it was a few years back. It was definitely in California. I don't remember where in California, but I saw it on the news. Maybe you remember this. Uh, There was about 40,000 square acres ablaze. I mean, it was a ravaging fire. They had spent millions and millions of dollars. It had consumed every house and every place of business within this 40,000 square miles or square acres. And and it was incredibly devastating. They had spent a ton of money, not to mention the loss of property, the loss of life and all that sort of a thing. Uh, But when it was all said and done, When it was all finalized, what I remember was there was this little news clip that came out not even a week or so after the fire was kind of done and all all the damage was done. Um, They had this little news clip, and it showed a set of parents dragging a 15-year-old boy into the, uh, the police station. And they said to the kid, tell the officer what you told us. And what do you think the kid said to the officer? He said, I didn't mean to do it. I was only playing with a pack of 
matches. And you think about that devastation. You think about the forest fires you've seen. The power that ravaged so many lives started oftentimes with what? Something that is smaller than the palm of your hand. And James, the brother of Jesus, says it's the same way. It is the same way with what we say. And we say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Uh, the cause and effect ratio doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem fair that something so small can cause so much damage. And James says, duh, that's why I'm talking to church people about it. Because it is so small and we think our words are so insignificant and that we can say what we want, when we want, don't tell me what to do, and don't tell me how to talk, and don't you tell me how to treat my children or my husband. And he says, you're crazy. He says, don't you realize the incredible power of your words? James is saying this little bitty word that causes a spark can cause a forest fire of relationships in your life. Um, has anybody in the room learned this? Come on, has anybody learned this in your own relationships? That's something you said that seemed so small at the time. Anybody ever have it just spin out of control? Come on, can't be just me, <laughs> Right? And then you're playing catch up and you're trying to take it back and you're trying to make it right and all it's doing is it's just a fire that's getting away from you. And James says, listen, if we don't get this right, it's going to be like a forest fire through all of our relationships. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have the power to burn down your life. Power in words. Verse 6, it says this, follow along. It says, the tongue is also a fire. Listen, uh, is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and it sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by what? By hell. By hell. Now think about this for a moment. Think about the evil that has started from just words. Wars have started over words. Simple words have caused nations to go to war and millions of men to die because of, because of the power of words. You think about divorce. Divorce almost always starts with words that got away from us. Think about child abuse. Think about domestic abuse. Almost always words are in the middle of it all. You think about it. The power of words. Words have destroyed marriages. Words have destroyed a parent relationship to a child. Words have destroyed a, 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 from a child to a parent. Words are powerful. And he says, listen, if you're not careful, you're going to ruin a whole bunch of things. And he says it sets the whole course of your life. You can't control it. It's not real small. It's going to be way bigger than you ever dreamed. It's the whole course of your life. Like, think about it. Like When you're a kid, when a kid smarts off to his mom, the mom doesn't put the kid's mouth in timeout. The mom puts the whole kid in timeout, right? And James is saying, it's your whole life. Listen, listen, listen. If you're at work and you're having incredible success in your company, but you say one thing and you do something so stupid with your mouth, you smart off to the wrong guy, you, you know, make a big scene and it ruins everything, right? They don't just fire your mouth. They fire you, all of you. And, and James says, this is how it is. It sets the whole course of your life on fire. You've seen it, friends. You've seen marriages burned down because of words. You, you've seen friendships burned down because of words. You've seen careers burned down because of words. You've seen children pit one parent against the other because of, because of what? Words. There is power 
And he's warning us. He says, there, there's power in the word. And listen, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how pretty you are or how talented you are or how, how much you think you got it going on in this life. He says, every single one of us has a propensity to destroy our relationships if we are not careful because of this thing called words. But here's the problem with this. This is why this is so important. He gets into this world of theology a little bit. He says that, that our, our mouth is set on fire by hell itself. You see, most of us, uh, we have this notion that we're basically innocent, that we're basically good, that most people basically want to use their words for good. We think we're adults, we go through life, we've learned how to adjust, and we think, you know, if we just go through life, our words are going to be used for constructive and building up of other, other things and other people. And James says, you're crazy. He says, that's just not true. He's making a theological statement that says that we're not born innocent, we're not born neutral, that we have it within every single one of us, the propensity to say terrible and mean and destructive things. Don't believe me? Look at a two-year-old. All you gotta do is look at a two-year-old. You do not have to teach a two-year-old how, um, how to say no, how to be disrespectful, how to be demanding or arrogant. No, you gotta teach them how to say, yes, daddy, Yes, mama, I would love to do that, right? And it's true. And James says, listen, it's for every single one of us. James says, no, 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 no. You've got to be careful because your mouth is set on fire by hell itself and it's powerful and he warns us against this. And, and then he says this, verse seven, check this out. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed. He, he, he doesn't mean like, Tame, like, wow, like I got a living room like in the bedroom with my son sleeping. Or I got, a, I got a lion in the bedroom with my son sleeping. No. He's talking about animals have been put into submission. All across humanity, all across the animal kingdom, humans have, have put animals into submission. So it says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures have been tamed and have been tamed by mankind. He's saying that mankind does not need to live in fear of the animal kingdom. That man has figured out how to cage, has figured out how to subdue, has figured out how to put down any animal that would come against us. But he says there's this crazy thing called the tongue that we don't know how to put down, that we don't know how to tame. He's, he says, but no human, listen to this, but no human being can tame the tongue. Amen? Any of you ever try? Sometimes you just want to say something so bad and you, I'm not going to say it. Then you say it. <laughs> right? And it says this, it is a restless evil. A restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. Now I want you to listen carefully to those words because those words say that our those words that James is teaching us says that our tongue has this ability to destroy if we're not careful. And his point is not that, that you can't exercise uh, self-control because you can't. His point is you must always exercise self-control. You hear it? His point is, isn't that, oh, sometimes uh, you, 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 you can't be good. No, because you can be good with your words. But his point is that you need to always be good with your words. His point is not that sometimes you, you can't encourage because he says most certainly you can encourage other people with your words. But his point is that you always need to encourage other people with your words because if you don't, it will get away from you like, like fire. Like fire. And it'll get away and it'll get away and it'll get away. Look at verse 9. He begins to start to wrap this up. He says... 
that, that every single one of us, every single day, at every single moment of the day, with every word that we speak, we need to learn to keep it in check. Good luck. That's what he's saying. And here's why he says good luck. Because he, he, he begins to wrap this little teaching up and with this kind of idea that like we're all schizophrenic with our tongue. It's like we're bipolar with our tongue. Listen to what the text says. It says, so with the tongue, with the mouth, our words, we praise the Lord and Father. So we come into a place like this, we go, oh, Chad, that's such a good song. Praise God. We sing, carry me, which is an amazing song, isn't it, that he just wrote? Well, I mean, it's amazing. And, and, but we sing it, and we go, oh, pastor, that was so good. Oh, praise the Lord, pastor, that was so good. He says, with our tongue, we learn to praise our heavenly Father. And we speak blessing and we speak good and we do good things with our tongue. And he says, that's a good thing. But then he says, we're schizophrenic because the very next thing he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the same tongue, we curse human beings. Like, praise the Lord, you mother. You jerk. How dare you do that to me? Is it, now let me do, is it just me? Or can all of us shift just like that? Come on. The moment we're crossed, the moment somebody doesn't perform the way we want them to perform, it's crazy. It's like all of a sudden we can cut with the very same words that we praised or with the very same tongue that we praised with. And we go and we, and we destroy with the same words that we just gave glory to God with. It's, it's crazy. And it says this. It says this. You curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And we could spend a whole week on that. The way we treat humans is because they are made in the image of God. And then it says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And this is so amazing to me because this happens like right here. Like we leave church and we're like, ooh, I'm praising God. Man, I feel so filled up. I'm just so fired up. And then we go out in that parking lot and we, we curse because it's too full. Come on. It, it's true. Like some of our security people have had to get like professional counseling because of the way that some of you have cursed them because they're simply asking you not to park in the Home Depot parking lot. It's like we're schizophrenic. And I, I get it, like, you know, we're so fired up. And we're like, oh, wasn't it just beautiful, honey? And we get in the car, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, where do you want to go to lunch? Oh, I'd like to go here. But you're, like, hoping for there, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, you picked last week. And no, no, you picked last week. No, 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 you, no, you, you. And all of a sudden it's like your hands are waving. It's like, no, why do you always get to? You're always in charge. And all of a sudden the pastor and his family walking by, and you're like, shh. <laughs> hey. Good sermon, Pastor. <laughs> right? It's like we're schizophrenic. It's like we're bipolar. Right? And he says, listen to this, this is crazy. James says, very plain and simple, he says, my brothers and sisters, pause, you have to determine if that's you. You have to be the one to determine that. If that's you... If that is you, if you're a brother or a sister, if you're one who says they believe, this is what he says. He says, my brothers and sisters, this is very complicated. This should not be. This should not be. This 
should not be. And he's not just saying this should not be. I don't know if you realize this. He's not just saying this should not be. What he's saying is, how can this be? Think about what the context of this is. He's saying more than this just shouldn't be. He's asking a question. How can we be so schizophrenic? How in one moment can we treat our, our, our God like this, and then the very people that he created we treat totally different? He says, how can you have this divided heart? How can you have a heart that's wayward in one moment and then loving God in the next, or vice versa? He's saying, how could this be? Not just should this, how, uh, this should not be. He's asking the question, how does this happen inside of us? And then he says this, verse 11. This is really interesting. He, he, he makes an example again. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And to that we say, no. Verse 12, my brothers and sisters, again, you have to decide if this is you. He says, can a fig tree bear olives? And to that we would say, no. It's like saying, can an apple tree bear oranges? We would say, no. And then he says, uh, can a grapevine bear figs? No, and then he says, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And then this, this is what he says, the end. You go back and read it. He just abruptly stops his whole discussion on the mouth. He says, like, the end, I've said everything I need to say. He, he literally comes to the end of this, and, like, if you go back and read this chapter, there's no more application, there's no more advice, there's, like, what do we do with this? You've just set us up for, like, a terrible letdown here. And, and it's like he just literally says, the end, now another subject. And so what do we do with this? It's, it's like James was telling you, I'm just telling you, like, I've been listening to the way the church, church people, religious people, self-identifying Christian goes, I've just been listening to the way we talk to one another and we got a big problem. The end. He, that's all he says. He goes, like, we got a big, 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 big problem on our hands. Because, he's saying, because what we say we believe when we're sitting here is not seeping into our lives. He says, what, what, what we say we believe and what we say is in our heart and in our mind is not coming out of our mouths. And he says, we got a big problem. He says, from what I'm hearing, he, he, he says, you're harsh, you cuss like a sailor, you're negative, you're not encouraging other people, you hold bitterness and grudges. He says, you're crass, you, you have sexual joking among you. And he says it just doesn't make sense. He says it just doesn't make sense to me. You got a big problem, the end. Because he says, listen, he says, like nature, it gets it. Fruit trees, they get it. Water coming from the ground, they get it. They're in alignment to what they're supposed to produce. But you and your soul and what comes out of your mouth is not in alignment with God. And he goes, how could this be? I don't get it. Fix it. Now, James doesn't preach into the sermon, right? But if it's okay with you, I kind of want to, right? Because I think we need to talk about some of this stuff. Because what do we do with this? Um, because there are some of us in this room, there are fires burning. There, there are fires that are burning in, in, in our life. And, and what do we do with this? 
Because some of us in this room, we're Mr. Fire Thrower. And we're Mrs. Fire Thrower or Miss Fire Thrower. We started fires, or at least we've contributed to those fires. And so what do we do, do with it? Because it's not like we can demand somebody to go get a learner's permit, right? No, we're born with a tongue. You can't go, whoa, 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 you can't use that thing. Not until you get to class. You know, you got to take a class on that thing, pass the test, and then we're going to put you out in the field a little bit, and you're going to practice a little bit. And once you learn to control that thing, then we're going to give you a little learner's permit. You can practice with your parents for a while. And then once your parents okay it, then we'll give you a real license, and then you can go crazy with that thing. Right? No. No, it doesn't say that at all. It doesn't tell us what to do. But what do we do? What do we do with this? Because, um, because... Here's how it begins with us. Here, here's what happens, at least in our homes, which I think it, this is how it happens. You, you, say, you think this, okay, like my, my husband comes home, you're like thinking, okay, my husband comes home from work, and everybody thinks he's so perfect, everybody thinks he's so great, and, and, and I feel like it's part of my responsibility to put him in his place and tell him he's not so great, right? And I burned my husband. I've set a fire in our relationship. And at those moments, I've heard people say, well, I thought I was really being part of God's work, trying to humble him. But if you were to be honest, you would, you would say that you didn't do anything of the sort. All you've done is drive a wedge into the relationship with your words. Other people in this room, some of us, you know, at work, we're all high and mighty because we're the boss. We're the guy in charge. And everybody has to do what we say. And somewhere along the way, and I don't know if you planned on it, I don't know if you decided it, but it was decided in your life. There's no doubt about it that you were going to treat some people some ways in one way and other people in another way. And it's just true that oftentimes you see this. You treat people who are below you one way or beneath you in one way and somebody who's ahead of you or above you in another way. And it's just true. You're harsh and demanding you have very little room for grace with people below you. You act like you're the king of the world. And you treat them like they're a nobody. You treat them like they're invisible. And it sets a fire in your relationships. Others in this room, you might be 14 or 16 or 18 years old. And you go, it's just my mom. It's just my mom. And you've treated her like crap. You use your words to destroy your relationship. And you go, it's just my dad. It's just my mom. It's just my dad. They're big. They're old. They should handle it. Of course they're going to forgive me. It's my mom. And you abuse the one who loves you the most in this world. And James says, it's not going to end well for you. This should not be in your life like this. Fix it. Figure this out. And, and so I, I'm just going to give just a couple of learnings. Like this isn't like from the Bible. You don't have to write this down. This is just as I reflect on this, when I'm trying to figure out my own life, uh, there's some learning that, that we've got to put into our life. And I think the first one is this. What do we do with these fires? I think the first thing is that we have to own our own fires. I think we got to take responsibility. I think we got to own up to the fact that we've set some fires in our life, or at least we've kept some fires burning. Amen? Is it true? Come on, who in this room is, uh, is guilt-free from this? None of us. All of us stumble in many ways. 
And I think one of the very first steps is that, is that we need to own it. We need to take responsibility. Maybe at some point, as you look around in your relational world, and I'm not saying you would do it like this weekend because they're going to think the pastor put you up to it and that wouldn't be cool. But maybe at some point, you just need to go back to somebody where there's a fire burning, or maybe it's still smoldering along, and you just need to say, I'm sorry. I've said some things. I put some words on the table that I really kind of regret now. And I'm just really sorry. And I know I can't take them back, and I know I can't fix them. And you know what, truthfully, I don't even expect you to forgive me because I'm not sure how we can expect somebody to forgive when we've taken so much from them already. But maybe you could just say, I hope that one day you'll find it in your soul to be able to forgive me. And I hope that one day we can start again, that we can make it new again. So I think the very first thing is, in the very least, we talked about this idea of confession during this series. Anybody remember that? Maybe this is a good starting point for confession. I know it's an old-fashioned word, but maybe this is where we need to start. I'm sorry. I wish I could do it all over. And then here's the second principle that I'm trying to get right in my own life. This is hard. Is uh, I'm just going to call it stop talking. <laughs> talk less. Stop talking, talk less. It's true. Um, the more words we pile on, you see, because like, this is hard for me to admit something because like, I'll go back and I'll like, well, I'm really sorry. But if you wouldn't have said, then I wouldn't have said. And if you wouldn't have done, then I wouldn't have done. And, and the more words we pile on, we think we can fix it, but we can't. All we do is we pour gas instead of water. When, when I was back in youth ministry a lot of years ago, uh, we would take these kids on these huge trips across the country, and it was a lot of fun. But anytime you get a busload of teenagers or a couple of van loads of teenagers all crammed together, guess what happens? Fights, arguments, disappointments, and words start to fly, and feelings get hurt, and all that kind of stuff. And so we made a rule. We called it pour water, not gas. Pour water, not gas. And then I would tell them, it's probably better just to shut your mouth. And it's true. So maybe a big step for people like me is to talk less. To not try to explain it all away. Just to live in the fact that you own it. Y'all with me on this? Because I think sometimes when we drudge it back up, it just adds fuel to the fire. Maybe we should say, I'm so, so sorry. And I'm going to try to do it different. Here's the other thing I'm learning. Here's the other thing I'm learning. Uh, at some point, you do got to cycle back around and figure out how to put out some of these fires. You got to figure this out at some point. So maybe the question we should be asking, and you may want to write this one down, is what can I do to change things? Just ask yourself, what can I do to change things? Because you have to do some things. Listen, listen, words are cheap, right? We throw them out, we throw them out, we throw them out. But what speaks louder than words? Come on, we taught our kids this, right? Your actions speak louder than 
words. Listen, at some point, we go back, we say, I'm sorry, I own this. And then we kind of change. We don't have to explain it 14 million different ways. Your wife will see you're different when you're different. Amen. Your kids will see you're different when you're different. When everything rises up with you and you want to go back at it, and all of a sudden they see you're a new man, like, wow, dad didn't act the way I thought he was going to act. Mom didn't act the way I thought she was going to act. My husband didn't. My wife didn't. My kids didn't. If, and listen, when we change, people are going to be willing to forgive. Most of the time, most of the time, people will give a second chance. Are you willing to give second chances? Yeah. When we change, when we show we're different, people will allow us to be different. They'll allow us to grow. And here's the last thing. And this is just for me. Maybe this will work for you. I don't know. Um, but at some point, we've got to learn to surrender our mouths to God. Let me tell you something. Um, most of us in this room who claim to be Christians, at some point you spend some time talking to God, don't you? At some point you utter prayers, you, you quiet your soul, you try to reflect a little bit. I mean, that's the nature of a relationship is you talk to God. And for me, and some people like, like I'm a nighttime kind of guy, my house is finally quiet, I'm, I'm a night, I like deal with God at night. Some of you people are crazy. You get up in the early morning and you deal with God that way. That's cool. <laughs> My wife is like that. I don't know. I think it's odd. Uh, but, but, but she gets up bright and early and the first thing, I mean, she wakes me up almost every morning and it's a good thing. I look over, she's in this little chair and she's got her Bible out. 6 a.m. I think it's very ungodly, but you know what I mean. <laughs> she's spending time with God. So at some point, Almost every one of us spends time with God. For some, it's like when you come to church. Maybe that's the only time you talk to God. And if, that, if that's you, then that's okay. I, I wish it would grow in you. But if you're talking to God here, that's awesome. But maybe at some point we need to add a prayer, add to our prayer. I surrender, Heavenly Father. I surrender my mouth to you. Because like I've gotten in this habit over the, uh, over the last few years of just saying, God, I surrender my hands to you. I want my hands to build your kingdom. God, I want my hands to, to be used for your kingdom. I want my hands to be, be doing something great in this world. I say, God, I surrender my feet to you. I, I pray this. Maybe you prayed something like this. Like, God, I surrender my feet to you. I say this to all, God all the time. God, I want to go where you want me to go. I want to I follow where, where you lead me. And I, I say, God, I surrender my eyes to you. I want to look upon the things that you want me to look upon. I want, I want you to, to, have a, to, to, to guard my eyes so that I, that I bring honor to you with the things that I look at in life. And I say, God, I surrender my ears to you because I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. But maybe we should start to add, I surrender, God. Father in heaven, my heavenly Father, I surrender my mouth to you. Because if we could get this right, we could get this right. If we get this right, the scripture teaches us that we could get our life course right. And I think that would serve us well, would it not? And it starts with the heart. So we've been saying this whole series, that your heart has to be surrendered to God, that you want more of him in your life. You want to apply it because the application makes all 
the difference in the world. So I want to just leave you with one more verse of scripture about this whole idea of the tongue. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, and it'll be up on the screen for you. You may want to get your phone out and take a picture of this. Come on, do, do that for me. Get your phone out, take a picture of this. Come on, get your phone, take a picture of this. And you're going to Facebook it to yourself. You're going to tweet it to yourself. You're going to text it to yourself. You may want to memorize this. Take a picture of this. I don't see any pictures going. Take a picture. Take a picture. Here's what it says. Too much talk leads to sin. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and uh, um, we confess, at least some of us confess, that we have not done so well with keeping our words in check. And we are sorry. And we ask you to forgive us. Help us, Father, to surrender our words to you. Help us to change some of the stuff in our homes that need to be changed. Help our hearts to come into alignment with you. Help our hearts and our words, our mouth, hearts and mouth, come together, God. Let us reflect you to the world. In Jesus' strong name, we say, amen.